What do you want people to say about you behind your back? Mm, yeah, that's good. What are the values that you want the world to know about your family? Wherever you feel fear, that's where you've you got to become the person that will attract over 200 different cognitive biases. The real work in any business is thinking. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the FLW podcast, and we are so excited to have another amazing leader on the show. I'm here with my co-host, Gabriel Klingman. What is up, fam? Welcome. Today is so exciting. Today, we got Tom Ziegler. I ruined it for oh, you, Oh, I don't. It doesn't matter, dude. Fantastic. Um, Everyone, go ahead and hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Show Tom some love. Right back to you, Cody. Absolutely. And, you know, as Gabe said, we have a legend on the show, Tom Ziegler. Not just a legend on the show, but a legendary family who has helped change millions and millions of lives around the world and I believe are going to be a result of changing millions more um, and we're just so glad to have him. He is a author of some phenomenal books that we're going to be diving into. Um, he's the CEO of the Ziggler Foundation and you know if you guys don't know this guy you need to stick around for this. I want you guys to take a chance to just pause this video and buy this man's book Choose to Win because it is a phenomenal book and we also have a special surprise because we might be talking about a new book that he might be coming out with soon. So uh, with all that being said, Tom, how's it going, man? How you doing on the other side? Man, I'm doing better than good, but that's like genetically required. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, we're, totally so, we're so excited to have you on the show, man. And uh, what we like to do with all of our guests is go through this thing called the five random, which is basically we share five. We ask you five totally random questions, totally irrelevant to the profound ones. So you ready to dive in? Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay, awesome. So here's the first one. So if you were to go back into the past um, and you were to be able to spend a day, spend a day with one person, who would that one person be? Oh, that'd be Jesus. Yeah, okay. no question. that's awesome. Yeah, I yeah. think I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah 100%. so that's actually great. That's going to play right into these next questions. Um, without knowing the outcome and without having to have faith, if you had uh, the choice to spend time with a full day with any of these two individuals, which would it be? Would you choose David facing Goliath or Daniel facing the lion's den? David facing Goliath. Yeah. Why that one? That's just a big story in my, uh, between my father and I, mm -hmm. uh, we had so many conversations around it and, uh, that's, I would just, I would love, I'd love to be in the middle of that. That's awesome. That's super cool. Um, all right. Number three, if you were to, um, if God were to grant you anything in the entire world, what would that thing be? Oh. Take your time, man. That's please. a good question. Yeah. That's a, that's like, <laughs> Three more wishes. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah, that's he's smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. fair. <laughs> um, we'll run with that. We'll run with that. That's good. Yeah. There were no, yeah, there were no rules. Right. So. That's an impossible <laughs> question. Um, okay. Number four, if someone gave you a thousand dollars right now and you had to invest it somewhere, where would you be putting the money? Uh -huh. In myself. My nice, man, nice. I love that answer. Beautiful. Thank you. Final question, number five. If you were to grant, if you were granted the ability to get rid of any one disease in the entire world, what disease would it be? Aging. Interesting. Oh, wow. That's, I didn't, that's I didn't brilliant. see that. That was great. I was expecting like any number of, yeah, that's, that's really good. Okay. Well, thank you. So that is the, that is our five random. And my favorite part is the five random. I really feel like I get to know our guests. Um, but I want to take this one step further. So I want to ask you, what is your story? How did you become the person you are today? 
Wow. So, uh, of course, Zig Ziglar is my father. Uh, and so I kind of I got the golden ticket, man, you know, raised in an incredible household. My mom was amazing. Uh, dad's attitude, his philosophy, his character, his integrity, it's, you know, it's, it stands on its own. Uh, and so I had kind of this, you know, I was writing in a, in a book this morning that, you know, when I was 11 years old, I remember waking up in the morning, Sunday morning, stayed up too late Saturday night watching a movie and uh, dad wakes me up at seven. Hey, get up. It's time to go to church. And I looked at him and I said, dad, do I, do I have to go to church? And he said, no, son, you get to go to church. And so <laughs> that's awesome. my whole life has been about get to, uh, you know, we, we get to do the things that we don't like so we can enjoy the things we do. It's not, we have to, we, we get to. Mm. So that was, that's been kind of the undercurrent I went to college, uh, thought I was going to be a professional golfer, figured out that those guys were really good, yeah. came to work uh, in our company uh, right, out, right out of school, uh, fell in love with sales, and just kind of moved into management and leadership in, in the business. And it's, it's been an amazing thing, uh, time. I've had turning points since then. We've had to reinvent the company. Yeah. Uh, dad passed away eight years ago and you know what a what a personality driven company so how do you take all that good and then have it live on and so yeah. that's kind of the short story of, of where I am but I've been blessed to be around uh, some of the smartest wisest uh, leaders that are out there uh, yeah. and, and to be able to learn from them it's just it's just been an incredible ride yeah I know and you and you are just carrying your father's legacy. But you know, the thing that's so beautiful is after reading your book, you are truly carrying your own legacy too. And it's unbelievable. And, and you talk a lot about that in your book, uh, Choose to Win, which is an absolutely phenomenal book. And, um, you know, so I wanted to kind of dive into that and talk about that book and some of the things that you've said from that. A lot of our questions derive from that book. Um, so the first one I wanted to ask you was you talk about this metaphor about taking off in a balloon. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. And, and the, just to kind of give our audience a con the concept of the metaphor is basically you have, you know, you're, you're wanting to take off to have that success, but you have something that's weighing you down and you look over and you see that you have all these ropes that are holding onto your balloon, not allowing you to take off the way that you want to. And uh, so I'd like to ask you kind of more of a personal question, if you will, because you describe these ropes as um, just things that you need to cut in your life that are negative things. Can, can you maybe share with us maybe some of the ropes that you had in your own life that you had to cut to take off in your own balloon? You bet. I'll share a couple. Uh, the metaphor is called the Trinity of Transformation. Nice. Yeah. And it's a hot air, it's a hot air balloon. Yeah. And the hot air balloon has three components. It's got the basket of the balloon where you sit in and, and this, this balloon's going to take you to your dream, you know, your goal, your purpose, where you want to go. And the, the, the balloon itself is hope. And as you, as you work hard with the grit, that flame heats up the balloon, the balloon starts to rise and then it just stops all of a sudden. Yeah. And that's where you look over the side of the balloon and you see the ropes, your balloon is, and, and I ask audiences all over the world, how, do you feel like you're tied down? Like you're being held back? Like there's something on your shoulders? Yeah. And the answer is yes. Uh, yeah. And it's, and it's, and, and you know what, sometimes you got to cut the same rope over and over again. Yeah. Man. And so here was a big one for me. Um, I never wanted to be a speaker. I never wanted to get in front of a room. I was real happy as the president of the company for all those years, providing the stage for maybe the greatest speaker who ever graced the stage. 
and people kept saying, Tom, you know, you should go out and speak. And I'm like, no, that's okay. You guys do it. Well, about 10 or 11 years ago, I started speaking and I got great feedback, but my stomach would just be in knots, <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. It's like, yes, it's like, and, and I had fun while I was doing it. And then I was so glad when I was done and, you know, and I, after doing that for a while, uh, I had to, I had to basically sit myself in a corner and I said, why am I this way? And this is, this is the rope that I had. Yeah. I thought people wanted me to be like my dad on stage. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. and the reality, and I'm talking about from a style, from an energy, everything. Yeah. And what I realized is that that's not what people want. People want you to be the best you possible. I love that. So that meant my dry sense of humor, you know, my <laughs> style, everything. I, it was my responsibility to maximize this. Dad said this, that success is the maximum utilization of the abilities that God gave you. Yeah. Wow. Right. Success is not anything compared to what somebody else does. Success is how you take what you've been given and develop it and use it. And so once I really let go of that and cut that rope and said, you know what? I'm not out there to be a little Zig Ziglar. And I heard dad say this a thousand times. People would come to him and say, Zig, I'm going to be a speaker just like you. I'm going to, I'm going to be the next Zig Ziglar. And he'd say, oh, that's a huge mistake. <laughs> mm, <come on. laughs> yeah, come on. yeah, no, it's so true. That, that job's taken. Be yeah. you, right? Yeah. So that, that, was, that was a big rope uh, in, my, in my growth. Um, another one, this is a, this is a great leadership uh, example. I was with a mentor of mine. His name is Bob TD a few years ago and the business was, was doing well, but man, it was just draining the energy. I had yeah. so many things going on and we were putting new things in place and, and he's, we had breakfast and he said, how are you doing? And I said, man, I'm doing good. I have to tell you, I'm a little overwhelmed. Mm, yeah. And so here's the, so here's the first leadership question he asked. He said, well, can you tell me more about that? And I said, yeah, you know, it just seems like the day is full. I never get, you know, everything completed and it's just piling on. The overwhelm is really adding on. And then he said, well, can you tell me more about that? <laughs> right? Yeah. Same question twice. Yeah, exactly. And I looked at him and I said, well, here's the reality. I said, my people and friends and partners, they'll bring me a good idea and I'll just feel the weight of it on my shoulders. Because yeah. I know it's a good idea, but I also know I don't have any bandwidth to do it. That's why I'm feeling overwhelmed. And he said, Tom, you're asking yourself the wrong question. Don't ask yourself how you should do it. Ask yourself who should do it. Wow. And this is what I believe as leaders, if we're, if we're growing a business, God puts people in our path all day long. And we get this arrogant idea that we're there to solve all the problems. Right. The more likely scenario is we're there to connect them with the person who's best able to solve that problem. Yeah. yeah. And wow, you can listen so much better when somebody says, Hey, I have an idea. I have a situation. What do you think? If you're listening to figure out who's the best one to do it, that takes a lot of the pressure off yeah. in how you engage. Mm. And so that was a big rope that I cut is instead of thinking I was the white knight, I started thinking, hey, I know white knights. 
one of the things you just said in that whole answer um, that really stood out to me was you said it's a quote from something that your dad used to say, which is um, the max utilization of the abilities that God gave you. Um, in order to achieve that, we often have to get into a flow state. We have to get to a point where we're so engulfed in what we're doing um, that everything else just seems to kind of fall and just fall away. And so my question for you is what are some tasks? What are some things that when you do them, it's just like you're instantly in that flow state, like time stops for you. I tell you what, um, flow starts the night before. And this, this, this was a, a real interesting uh, lesson. You know, if you have, if you're, uh, one of my mentors is Rabbi Daniel Lappin. He's a good friend of mine. And that guy's just got more wisdom than you, than you can imagine. And he says this, he says that the, 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 opposite of depression is not happiness the opposite of depression is purpose interesting yeah okay okay and so now we're in this time of pandemic and everybody's trapped at home and their life is upset and one or maybe both people in the household have lost their whatever their normal job was and there's all this stress and loved ones have gotten sick and kids are running in the round in the bath you know in the back and it's natural. You get depressed, you, you get anxious, you get worried. And so what do you do? You know, you eat cheesecake and you drink too much alcohol and you go spend 14 <laughs> yeah. hours in a row on Netflix and yeah. Yeah. right. Because we're searching for happiness. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And yeah. we're trying to get that hit, you know, we use social media and we get the endorphin bump and all those different things happen, but the spiral goes down. Mm. But, yeah. but the reality is, is that, when we take steps towards our purpose, the byproduct is happiness. Yeah. Yeah. And so what we do is we get really clear on what our purpose is. And so when I say, how do you create flow? You start with, well, what's my purpose? What's my why? What's the thing I want to accomplish? What is that? And then you prepare the night before, meaning for me, I go to bed early. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I get my seven hours, seven and a half hours of sleep. I get yeah. that in and I wake up early right. and I do that so that I have uninterrupted time. Right. And I was sharing with you guys before we started, I, I figured out the secret to writing a book. <laughs> yes. And it's <laughs> and so now what I do is I, I, I wake up early. I take care uh, of some things that I want to catch up on. Yeah. And then I do my devotional and then I get rid of all distractions and I start working on the book Yeah. and I don't eat anything until I've written a thousand words. Yes. Yes. Right. And it's, and it's so simple. And I, as, as I was telling you, I'll either have the book done or I'll lose a lot of weight in the next 35 days. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. It's so true. And you know, the one thing that I love um, about you, Tom, that you always really talk about the importance of habits and not only the importance of habits and how to build those habits, but you talk about specific categories, um, specifically in your book, uh, Choose to Win, you talk about the seven categories that we should be investing in. And, you know, I, do you mind just kind of sharing with our audience? And first, I'm going to like, I'll throw out these, uh, these different things. Um, you have mental, spiritual, physical, family, financial, and personal. Is that right? And, and career um, and, and career. career. Yeah. That's right. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> we did have it there. So, <laughs> um, and with those seven in mind, 
um, that can be pretty overwhelming to take all seven on those, like to think about all seven of those things right now. So what would you suggest to people that want to invest in these different seven things and how to create better habits towards them? Yeah. So first think of a wheel with seven spokes on it. Yeah. Okay. So each spoke is one of those mental, spiritual, physical, family, financial, personal, and career. And then just mentally, you're watching this or you, you know, you're listening to it. Just imagine this wheel in front of you and then give yourself a score on one to 10 on each one of those areas. Mental. Yeah. Am I, you know, am I 10? Am I nine? Am I eight? Is my thought life positive? Am I upbeat? Do people like being around me? Do I bring energy? Do I believe I can go out and make it happen? You know, am I putting the right stuff into my mind, associating with the right people, all those different things. And then you go spiritual and you ask yourself the same kind of questions and you can do this in like a minute. Right. So, so you, you go around and then you connect the dots. So if you got some eights and nines and some, and some twos and threes and some others, that wheel, when it rolls is a bumpy ride. Right. And so the first place you might want to look is what's really lagging in your life. What is it that's really hurting? Is it physical? Yeah. You know, is it family? And you might want to spend some time in that. Now, in general, there are three that I tell people they should work on every day. It's just, this is just like guaranteed I'm going to work on this. And that's my mental, my spiritual, and my physical. Yeah, yeah. And mental is a choice. And so what that means is, and this is the number one lesson I learned from dad, and that is we get to choose our input. Yeah. And so here's the principle. <clears throat> when we... When we create a vision for the future, and we all get to do that, we create the vision that we see, that comes out of our thinking and our thinking is impacted by our input. So what are the things we're reading and listening to? Who are we associating with? We need to choose the right stuff. It's, you know, it's probably not coming from Facebook timelines, you know? I mean, that's, that's not gonna get us where we wanna go. Yeah. When my thinking is right, that impacts my performance right? Yeah. My performance impacts my future. Yeah. And so literally by choosing the right input, I get to create the future that I want. So who do you want to become? What is it that you want to achieve? Mm. Start taking an input that does that. Spiritual is number two. Now I cheat in the book and I talk about it. You know, a lot of people would say, well, spiritual is number one. And I agree it is number one, but you got to think about it first. So What's the input you choose first? Spiritual. That's why I start off my day uh, with the quiet time, the devotional, the two chairs. That's and then awesome. the third is physical. And the reason for that is that energy is created by good health. And so that's a combination of sleeping right, of the right nutrition and the right amount of movement. Yeah. And so if we're in good and how we handle stress and things like that, we can go deep. But if I'm working on those three things every day, then that allows me to be successful at everything that I do. The fourth spoke on the wheel that we cover in the book is family. And when you ask people, what's the most important thing in your life? It's usually one or two things. It's either my faith or my family, right? They're right. usually going to say that. Yeah. But here's what's interesting. If you're going to have the right impact and be the right example in your family, then mentally, spiritually, and physically, you've got to set the example. And so that's why we start with those three things first. When you get those four right, mental, spiritual, physical, and family, then the financial, the personal, and the career 
uh, you know, that is there and, and almost automatically unfolds. If you have trouble with those first four, it's going to be difficult to get the rest of them right. Right. Yeah. Wow. That. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what are some of your personal favorite inputs? You talked about number one being mental. And to answer that, um, I'm really just looking for like your personal ones. Cause I know, like you said, depending on your goal should depend on where you should get your inputs. But for you personally right now, what are some of your personal favorite inputs? Inputs. Uh, I'm a big audible fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I've got a bunch of books on there that I've just listened to. So I'm always, I like philosophy. I like, uh, I've been doing a lot of research on technology, uh, things that are going to be changing the future, a lot of stuff on, on leadership. And, and so I'm trying to learn things that I can internalize and simplify and share with other people that will benefit them. Yeah. Mm. And that's a simple principle that I watched my dad walk out and somebody asked me one time, they said, what, what was the one thing that Zig Ziglar did that made him Zig Ziglar? That was it. Three hours a day learning something new to internalize and simplify so that he could share with someone else for their benefit. If you do that every day, not only will you impact other people positively, it'll change you from the inside out. And, and you know, uh, last year, a couple of books that I read that I just loved uh, morality by Jonathan Sachs uh, was just uh, amazing. It was a history of uh, how to culturally, how did we get where we are? Yeah, it, yeah. it helps you make sense of everything. Uh, the future is faster than you think. Uh, I just finished that book. That's great. That's about the convergence of technology. Uh, it's getting kind of cool. Cadillac just announced their flying car. So uh, the Wait, Jetsons. That's wild. Yeah. The Jetsons are here, and at Ziggler, <laughs> what we're, yeah, um, yeah, and 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 so one of the new industries that's being talked about is the is called transformation, yeah, and what that is is it's really the combination of mindset and education. So if rapid change is coming, if disruption is coming, and all these things are going to start showing up it's going to be the people whose mindset embraces the change and understands how it can help everything else that they do. Most people are, we're just naturally resistant to change. And you just look at the last 10 months, 12 months, we know the companies that were able to pivot and we know the ones that didn't. Uh, One of the quotes that I read, I think this was in the book uh, post Corona. uh, It said that, the pandemic accelerated every trend by 10 years. Mm, wow. Come on. Come on. And wow. an example is uh, telemedicine. We've had it for a while, but nobody used it. Healthcare didn't like it. Doctors didn't trust it. Patients didn't want it. Mm-hmm. And suddenly now we've all used it. And we're like, why did we ever go to the doctor for a cold anyway? Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, right. And- so it just shortened and compressed that. Well, how does that change everything else? That's what I like to, to work on. And so, so my inputs come from a lot of areas, ultimately to help people create the right mindset so that they can use it for their benefit. And then what we're battling now is a, is a uh, culture is this idea of the principles and values. If you, if, you, if you just, if you leave that out, you're in trouble. And the example, and that's from the book, uh, Morality, talks about there's three powers generally in a world and that's the governmental power 
the economic power and then the religious or ethical moral power and the ethics and the morality has always been kind of the bridge and the balance to keep those other powers from taking too much control. And so we're watching right now what happens when uh, people in power don't have any ethical responsibility. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I so appreciate that answer. Thank you. Um, so we actually had a uh, friend, Jordan Adler, um, we've had on the podcast before. Um, we asked him if he had a question for you, what would it be? And this is what he sent. So I'm going to go ahead and read it. How does what's going on in the world today affect how we sell and how we lead? <laughs> oh, wow. So the first thing is, is we have a responsibility to put ourselves in the position of both our customers, our prospects, and our own people. So if we have a team, if we're leading a business, and we have got to put ourselves in their position. What are they thinking? What are they feeling? What is it that they're going through? Um, a, a great way to, there's the three questions that I like to ask somebody. Hey, before you show up for a prospect, what are they thinking and feeling about you coming? Right, right. Right. Now, when you leave and you share with them what your solution is and everybody says yes, what do you want them to say and think and feel about you once you've left. Yeah. That's wow. right. Because what we all want is we want a five-star review and a referral, right? We want a happy, right. satisfied customer. Mm. Okay. So between that initial feeling when you show up and that end feeling when they're a happy, satisfied customer sending you referrals, there's what are the three things that you've got to become? What's the attitude you've got to display? Yeah. Right. What's the physical effort that you've got to show them, the behavior? Yeah. And what are the skills or the professionalism that you have to develop in order to meet that standard? Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's, uh, that's taken from the last chapter of uh, Choose to Win in Career. It's the performance formula, attitude, effort, and skill. Mm. And so right now, let me just tell you what the world is feeling. They're anxious. They're worried. Uh, they've got a lot of stress. They've got all these issues going on. So, you know, Rabbi Lappin, again, another great quote, when we, when we solve a problem for someone, we're often rewarded with certificates of appreciation. Mm -hmm. We call that money. Come on. Come the on. more problems we solve, mm -hmm. the more certificates we get. Mm -hmm. And then this is the ultimate uh, quote on that. God is never happier with his children than when they're solving the problems of his other children. Wow. That's amazing. And so whatever business you're in, ask yourself, what problems did the people you serve? What do they have? Man, that's so good. That's it's so good. just pretty simple. And so if we understand how they're feeling before you show up and how you want them to feel and what problems do they have and you figure that out, you're onto something. Yeah. And it's simple, but it's hard too at the same time, because I feel like there's this instinct within us to want to serve ourselves first, you know? And it's just that feeling of like, oh man, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've struggled with wanting to serve others before myself. I mean, I don't know if you, if you know where I'm coming from with that, but it's almost like that's something we have to practice every day. So like, how do you, um, and actually I want to ask you about this quote that you talk about as well. Um, it, just about your spirit. You were talking about uh, spirituality. Um, you say that true success um, is uh, spiritual and often 
has to be purified in the furnace before it grows into significance. And, um, you know, you were talking about that and I'm just, can you kind of expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So, you know, just a little bit personal stuff, uh, being a guy, I like guns and knives. And... <laughs> we're up in Maine. So we're with you on that, man. I mean, we, I think everybody in Maine has a gun. So <laughs> yeah, well, I'm in Texas. So if you only have one gun, you're there way you behind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, but anyway, I used to collect knives. And so I got into, you know, how do you, how do you make a knife and what's a good yeah. knife and what kind of steel. And so I'm just going to build a metaphor. And that is that, you know, you find the ore that has the, the material in it and you put it in the furnace and you superheat it and the ore comes out and the hotter the, the fire, the more pure the material is that it comes out. And then you put it in a press and you fold it and pound it and fold it and pound it and fold it and pound it. And eventually you can pound that into uh, a knife or a sword or, or whatever it is. And you've got this kind of rough thing and then you got to start grinding it, right? You grind it in and you start forming the shape and polishing it. And then you, you etch it, you know, and you start to make it beautiful and you hone that edge. And then you've got this beautiful instrument and this instrument is amazing, but until it's in the hand of the master, it can't really do anything. And, and so for me, when I talk on the spiritual side as a Christ follower, I think that's the way life is, you know, is life hits us from all directions. We go through the furnace, we get rid of the impurities. We start figuring out what works, what doesn't work. And we, then we get more and more focused on what we were made for, right? As we discover our why and we step into that and we start to become shaped into something, but then it takes that ultimate, in my mind, it takes that ultimate yielding that says, hey, I got to turn this over to, to God, to higher power, to something bigger than me. That's and awesome. then that's when that tool uh, really can serve its purpose in the, in the best way. So that's that was like the metaphor behind that uh, and i'm not sure if that's what you were looking for but that's yeah. no that's amazing to me that's exactly what it's about and um when you talked about how do we serve people you know, there's a so there's a lot of humility and another uh word that i love which is brokenness mm, and yeah. it's this idea it's this idea that you know, as leaders, as people, our, our real, our job is to speak the truth in love. Mm, yeah. And if you look at what's missing out there, uh, a lot of times when the truth is spoken, it's, it's like it's wielded as a self-righteous hammer. Yeah. And so what it's, what's happening now is the hypocrites are being exposed in every area. And when you, when you really share the truth in love, uh, the power in that is this, is that if let's just say there's someone on your team and they misbehave, yeah. right? They, they either an attitude or they don't do their job or whatever. When you have the meeting with them to get them back on track, the, in a humble way and in a, in a, in a way where you're speaking the truth and love is you, you ask them the questions, Hey, did you know this was your responsibility? Were you trained to do it? Did you have the resources? Did you know when it was supposed to be done? And if they answer yes to all of that, because if they answer no to one of those, that's leadership's problem. That's not their problem, right? Yeah, seriously. Well, then you ask the last question. 
well, hey, you know our mission statement. Why don't you say our mission statement? Yeah. Hey, you know our core values. Why don't you say that? And so they tell those to you. And then you ask them this question. How does what you did or what you said, how does that support our mission? Yeah, man. And then all of a sudden, the issue is not between you and them. The issue is between them and the standard, them and the truth, you know, them and what's right. And we're just trying to help them get on the right side of that. Come on. And so it takes the it takes the personal out of it and, and sets that higher standard. And it's in humility because by doing that, I've I've in my own life, I have to submit to that higher standard as well. If I'm gonna ask my team to live up to this mission, I better be the one that's living it. Right. Yeah. One hundred percent. 100%. So with that, you've mentioned a few times about the importance of knowing your why, knowing what drives you. Um, and then we also just talked about like going through that furnace. Um, and so I kind of want to tie these two together. Um, a lot of people, they, a lot of people have lost their ability to dream and to find that purpose, find that thing out in front of them. Um, and from, at least from my experience, what I've seen is a lot of the time it's because of hurt or heartache and they've lost that ability to dream again. So in your experience, how does someone go about figuring out that why, figuring out that mission, that legacy that they're looking after? There's a couple of things. Uh, first off is there's, there's this little, um, example that I use and I call it the three circles and what is that called a Gantt chart or one of the I'm not sure the three circles intersect in the middle whatever yeah, that's yeah. called yeah yeah it's, yeah. it's yeah we all know it uh, <laughs> exactly makes you, yeah <laughs> makes you sound very intellectual intellectual we'll put up a, you know. once we figure it out we'll put up a little thing and it'll probably be right here right. <laughs> it's just, and everyone will see it yeah, so a great way to kind of figure out what's my why, what should I be doing is the, the, yeah. the first circle is what makes your heart sing? Wow. Like yeah. go back in the, in, in the past and think about things you've done or things you do right now. And it's like you start it and then you look down and you think it's been 10 minutes and it's been four hours. Yeah. Mm, come yeah. On. Well, that's probably a clue. You need to do more of that, right? Yeah. The, and why does it, do you think the creator put that there? Mm-hmm. That's another clue. A lot of times we feel guilty. Well, why should I do more of that? I mean, somebody else might not see value. Well, I guess the one who created you does. The, the second thing is uh, what problem do you solve? And so look around through your life of the types of problems that people naturally bring you. Are they relationship problems, business problems, whatever? That will tell you that you might have a gift in that, in whatever that is. The third one is what's the biggest challenge you've overcome? What's the biggest obstacle you've overcome? And this could be you came out of a broken home or you had an accident, you got a disease, a relationship fell apart, a business cratered, somebody lied to you, or it could be you've made some really bad choices. And you've had to overcome them, right? You've dealt with the consequences. You've grown. You got a mentor. You got a coach. You got your life back. You made amends. You repented. You moved forward. And you've got all of this experience where those three circles overlap. That's where I would start looking. Yeah. To find your why. The second is if you're on that 
quest to find your why, get a coach. Yeah. You know, there's a, from the Talmud, third century, uh, there's a story of a rabbi and the rabbi was the healer. Okay. And he would go to all the villages and heal people. And one day the rabbi got sick and he called his student and the student came in and the rabbi said to the student, Hey, go to the next town, travel to a couple of days and get the rabbi there and ask him to come because I need him to come and heal me. And the student said, but rabbi, you're the healer. Why do you need someone else to come and heal you? Yeah. And the rabbi said, because a prisoner can't unlock the lock of his own prison. Yeah. Mm. Wow. And that's really what a coach does or, or, you know, somebody who's been down that road is a lot of t- I call it the, st- we're, we've got a whole society of stainless steel uh, handcuffs. You know, we've, yeah. we've, we've just started down this path and we keep going because of inertia and we've got, we put on these stainless steel handcuffs or not even golden handcuffs, right? And it's not even like <laughs> we're making a lot of money or, or we can't afford to leave. It's just like, it's just easier to keep doing what we've done. Yeah. And so, so we got to look at those stainless steel handcuffs. So we got to take them off. And sometimes it takes somebody smarter than us, not because they're smarter than us, but because they see things we can't. Yeah. And that's so hard too, because I mean, some of these things might be addiction and people are totally ashamed, you know, they're totally ashamed. So they don't want to share that with any individual. Um, and that's so interesting, but obviously it affects our legacy in such a grand way if we don't take care of those things in our lives. And I guess with that being said, you know, like what are some ways that we could actually, that you would encourage us to actually take these steps to better our legacy? Some things that maybe some habits that you think that would be good for us to maybe start working into our lives. I know that we've talked about a lot of different things so far, like sleep and, you know, obviously, but can you just kind of share with us a little bit about that? Because obviously that's huge. Yeah. So legacy is a big deal because that's the business that we're in. You know, it's, it's, we're, we're extending the legacy. Right. And the first thing is we need to make a commitment to get intentional about it. Mm. So here's the deal. We're all going to leave a legacy. The question is, is it, is it by chance or is it by design? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Because right? we're all leaving a legacy. So why don't we make it by design? Yeah. So now imagine you and your legacy, you've got your family and you, and just ask this question, what do you want people to say about you behind your back? Mm. Yeah, that's good. What are the values that you want the world to know about your family? Yeah. And it's okay. Every family should be a little different. Every, every family is unique. It's like every person's unique. Every family's unique. And so, you know, you could have kindness and love and generosity and courage and warrior spirit. I mean, you can go any direction you want, but if you, if you pick five, six, seven of these that are really speaking to your family, like one of the guys I worked with, uh, one of his core words uh, was weird. Interesting. (laughs) That's like, yeah, they want people to think they're weird. And I said, (laughs) how did that happen? Well, his oldest daughter, who was, I think, a freshman in college at the time, they were having a family discussion. Yeah. And she said, Dad, we're just weird. And he said, what do you mean? And she said, well, 
you know, when we talk about a situation that happened at school or in our circle of friends, we all talk about what happened, what choices they made. And then as a family, we say, this is the choice we would have made. And dad, we always make the opposite choice that they would have made. We're just weird. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's kind of great. And that's, pos- that's great. Yeah. That's what yeah. we want, right? That's huge, huge. Because if you want to go off the cliff, just follow everybody else. Mm. Yeah, right. No and so you get that, okay, these are the, these, this is what I want to be known for. And then you go into the seven areas and you ask yourself, what habits can I create in my mental life that will bear the fruit of that habit or that that I want to be known? So the quote is, a tree's fruitfulness depends on its rootfulness. Wow. So your legacy is a tree and think of the fruit you want on the tree. So I'm going to have honesty, integrity. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to have persistent consistency. I'm going to have faith. I'm going to have a fruit that's got dollar signs on it. I want some money in there, right? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I, I want. I actually want a vacation home and, or a second house in the mountains by a trout stream. I've got it all in my head. I, those are some fruits that I want in my life. And then I go to the roots. Well, it's got seven roots mental, spiritual, physical, family, financial, personal, and career. Yeah. And so what habits do I implement into each route that automatically produces that fruit? Mm. Yeah. So if the word that I want our family to be known for is uh, kind or kindness, then what habits can I create that automatically create that fruit? Man. You know, I got to say though, there's, there's a lot of words great words that I could seriously stamp on your family. <laughs> like kindness is definitely one uh, love, a loving family. I mean, you've seriously impacted, you don't understand. Like I, I mean, on just on a personal note, I don't know if I'm gonna have to edit this out or not, but like on a personal note, like I got to see your father um, and your whole family, really. I think it was actually, your sister was actually sitting with him and interviewing him during the time, but he was up in Portland, Maine. This must've been, yep. geez, like, I don't know, this must 2009. Eleven was it? Eleven? Yeah, I think it was around that time. But I was just, geez, I must have been like fifteen years old, fourteen years old, and what a special thing that was. And that was the moment that I realized, like, I want to be like this family because it is such a loving family. And that's when I first just started to realize, my goodness, this is like a legacy I want to have for my own. So I thank you for that because I know that comes directly from you and your family. I appreciate that as a side note. We're blessed. Yeah, you talked a lot about in that answer that you just gave. Um, you talked a lot about taking personal responsibility um, and really own ownership um, mm. of your circumstances. And I kind of want to take that and put it on the flip side. So you take ownership of your circumstances, um, but I really want, I want to talk about luck and blessing right now, um, kind of on the flip side of this. What do you think is the difference between the two? And do you have like a personal, any personal examples that come to mind? Oh, wow. The difference between luck and blessing. Um, you, you know, I don't know if there is a such thing as luck. Uh, yeah. There are things that happen that we wish hadn't happened. Right. Right. And there are things that happen that we're really glad that they happened. Mm. Um, you know, I really, uh, there's an author named Dr. Carolyn Leaf. And 
she talks about um, how we can reform, retrain our minds. So every day we wake up with millions of new brain cells. And in our brain, we have these dendrites and these dendrites store every memory that we have. And so in our past, we've all had trauma happen to us. Yeah. And it's a really interesting thing that uh, when, when we experience trauma, the brain will just light up on the brain scan yeah. in real time when the trauma is happening. But when we do the brain scan later and they say, can you remember this? The brain acts exactly the same way. Yeah. Doesn't know the difference. And so a luck or a blessing, something that happened to me beyond my control, whether it's a luck or a blessing, or maybe it's bad. Yeah. Right. So what do we do going forward? Well, we can actually go into our, our, our mind, into our memory and we can remember that and we can start asking ourselves questions about it. Yeah. Oh, this terrible thing happened to me. Uh, why did that happen? Well, a lot of people feel guilty for it. They feel guilty. Like it was their responsibility. Their parents got divorced. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that is an unbelievable burden. Well, guess what? It wasn't. You had nothing to do with it. And so if you go into that memory and you say, why does that hurt? It hurts because they got divorced. Well, why does that hurt? Maybe I could have done something. Oh, wait, maybe it's not my fault. Yeah. Well, what did I learn from it? Well, somebody who's been through that experience, they know how other people feel who go through the same experience. Yeah. So maybe I have more empathy. And so you're now actually building new memories on top of that. And as you do that, and as you train your mind, the renewing of the mind, you can change that memory. It can grow into something that supports you. And so when I think of a blessing, uh, I look at, you know, every day is a blessing. Yeah. And the things that hurt right now, instead of saying, wow, that hurt, I say, what am I supposed to learn? I mean, I love the, the phrase, you win some, you learn some. Yeah. Right. Awesome. And, yeah. And, and so to me, maybe luck or blessing or, or, or trauma or bad luck, maybe, maybe that's just the lens through which you choose to look at it. Yeah. Uh, one of our, uh, somebody on our team is a Ziegler speaker. He, he says, there is no such thing as the comfort zone. Interesting. Yeah. Right. We've created this space that doesn't really exist. It's made up in our imagination. Yeah. He said, really, we're either growing or we're dying. We're, we, you know, we're never static in sales. We know this. We're either getting closer to the sale or further to the sale. It never stays in the same place. <laughs> Come on. Right. And so that means there is no coasting. That means we're either moving towards our purpose or away from our purpose. And so anything that comes against us, the question should be, how is this going to make me stronger? man kind of changing your perspective and in the process actually changing the meaning of the experience if it was negative changing the meaning of that actual experience yeah yeah when i, I study uh hebrew from original meaning or context and and uh one of the things that you'll find is there there are some words that aren't in hebrew like uh right. retirement is not in hebrew interesting uh, yeah <laughs> Because it wasn't part vacation. Of the yeah. Vacation is not in Hebrew. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And the reason for that is that they both, the connotation, it's a very spiritual, it's a very deep, it's a very moral language with, yeah. with layers of meaning. But the connotation of retirement or vacation is that I'm done serving. Mm -hmm. Everybody's here to serve me. Come on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Man. Right. So what were we created for? Yeah. And that's right. We were created question. to serve. Yeah. But there is a such thing as sabbatical or taking time to, you know, Jubilee, taking time to, yeah. to, or every seven years, let the, you know, let the field lay fallow so it can restore. Well, yeah. why is that happening? So that you can come to a higher level of, of prosperity, right? Of, of, of the ability to serve. And so one of the things uh, that's interesting is that in, the, in that context, uh, there are no rights. There's only responsibilities. And so the way it was explained to me is um, no one has a right to be taken care of, to be fed, to, to, to be given anything. Wow. But everyone has a responsibility to help whoever's in front of them who has less than they do. Man, it, just <laughs> so, kind of, it goes to tell you like how much of an entitlement mentality our world has actually developed into, to, you know? Like, that's amazing. There's no rights, only responsibilities. Right. And, and I was, um, man, I spoke in uh, Youngstown State a few years ago. And uh, I asked the class, I said, uh, what's the opposite of gratitude? And the first, this is the first time they ever got it right. I've ever heard it right. And it was, and it happened on the first response. Uh, this young lady said, "Entitlement." Ooh, yeah. So you can't you can't be entitled and have gratitude at the same time. Yeah, man. And so that's crazy, man. It just it gives me a whole new perspective on the word entitlement. Yeah, that is so crazy. Wow. And look at it this way: um, if 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 somebody else takes my money and now they have the responsibility to take care of others i'm out of the game i don't have to get my hands dirty there is there is no moral high ground in that right 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 but if everybody i see who, who's in a position that needs some help and i'm able and it's my responsibility to help them then i have to help them yeah right but here's the difference is if if i help you and then you take the help and you abuse it, right? Right, yeah. I don't have a responsibility to give you that kind of help anymore. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a burden off of my shoulders to hear you say that because I feel like sometimes, you know, even, even in the industry that we've been kind of talking with in this network marketing industry, you have so many people that are constantly asking the leader for the help. Please help me, please help me, please. I just want to, you know, be successful. And then you give them that advice to tell them what needs to happen or what they need to do. And they don't take action on that and you feel responsible for their failure to some degree i mean it, a lot of great leaders that i've met felt that they're just and it's weighing them down i mean what do you say to people like that i mean obviously you pretty much have said it but like man i tell you what one of the greatest um, skills that somebody could learn is how to be a great mentee interesting and let me tell you how easy it is uh wherever you want to go in life pick the best right yeah. That's the leader I want to be like. That's the business I want to go in. Yeah. And you just become relentless 
in pursuing them and getting that 10 minute meeting mm -hmm. and say, the reason that I'm here is I love what you want to do. I want to spend my life doing what you do. And I would love for you to mentor me. Yeah. And what bit of advice would you give me? Because we've got four minutes left. Right. And then you write that down. And then it doesn't matter what it is. You go and do it. And then you follow up and you say, I owe it a report to you. Can we meet for 15 minutes? Yeah. And you walk in with the results of everything you did. I called this person. I did this. I made 50 calls. I did whatever. And these are my results. What should I do next? Man, that's awesome. And you will blow them away. Yeah. <sighs> because nobody does it. Come on. You don't even... You just, you just trust them. I mean, you, you just do it. Uh, if you don't do it, if you can, a, a leader who's been around the block and, and has been used up a little bit, they'll give you a little bit of advice as a test. Yeah. And then the next time they talk to you, they'll say, how did it go? And if you say, I haven't done it yet, you're done. Yeah. Seriously. You've had your shot. Yeah, man. That's so good. Now, Tom, I know that we've actually gone past our time. Um, is there, do you have time for a couple of more questions? You bet. Okay. Awesome. So, um, there's, you know, you talk about this, there's, I got an acronym for you and maybe you'll know exactly where I'm going with this. It's PC. Okay. Are you familiar yeah. with this acronym? Oh yeah. Yeah. Can you just talk about that acronym, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So dad's number, number one reason for success, uh, was he said was his character and integrity. Yeah. And his number two reason for success was PC, which stands for persistent consistency. Yeah. And consistency simply means this. It means that when you find a worthwhile goal or objective, you work on it every day or as often as necessary. Yeah. Persistency means that when you work on it, you take it up a notch every time you work on it. Yeah. You do a little bit extra. And the ultimate story is we call it the BAM story. And it's how dad lost weight. So he gets checked out by the doctor. The doctor says, this is what you need to eat. You should jog. So he starts jogging. The first day he jogs to the end of the block. That's as far as he can go. We're talking six houses on a normal street. Okay. <laughs> like downhill, less than 300 yards. Okay. This is not far. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he turns around and walks home. The next day, he ran a block and a mailbox. So one more house. And every day, he added a mailbox. So a block, two mailboxes, a block, and three. Before he knew it, he made it around the block, and then twice around the block, and then half a mile, and then a mile, and then you know two miles. So the consistency is he'd written down, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna jog five days a week." Yeah. And the persistency was. I'm going to go a little bit further each time I jog. Yeah. So let's just say you're trying to build a sales business and you know that the way you make sales is you talk to people. Right. And so you might have a goal based on your track record. Hey, I need to have 40 conversations or I need to make 40 calls a day to get 10 conversations to get two sales. Mm -hmm. Right. Real simple. Yeah, exactly. So your consistency goal is I'm going to make 40 calls a day. 
Well, the first day you make your 40 calls. The second day, maybe you add in a new question. The third day you add in a new uh, introduction. The fourth day you do an either or. And so what you do is you just keep testing, you keep testing and you keep testing Mm -hmm. to see what the response is. And that combination of persistent consistency is what builds legendary careers. Mm -hmm. It's how dad became the speaker he was. It's how any, I mean, look at the elite in sports. They go, they go all out and then they figure out what else they can do. Mm-hmm. What can they Come add on. to it? Come on. So that PC is beautiful. And it's a, a principle that um, your father taught well. And so I have a, an interesting question. And it's what is one of the most important things that you learned from him out of everything that he taught? What's one of the most important things? Maybe he didn't teach it. Maybe you just learned it from observation. But what's one of the most important things you gleaned from him? Yeah. Oh, there's so many, um, you know, input, what I choose to put in my mind. Mm, yeah. That's, that's gotta be it. Uh, dad, my favorite Zig Ziglar quote is this, you are what you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind. Yeah. And wow. you, and you Man, can change that just what, hit me. Yeah, it took That me literally just hit like, it wasn't right away, away, but it just hit me. And yeah. I'm just like, Whoa, that's so good. Wow. You can change what you are and you can change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. Yeah. And, and so I, I made my own Tom Ziegler version. I'm very food oriented. So mine is <laughs> what you feed your mind determines your appetite. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was uh, speaking in Atlanta and I said that quote and this lady jumped up in the back and she goes, that's just like NASCAR. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I was like, what? She goes, Oh yeah, NASCAR, they she said they go around the track at 185 miles an hour and their eyes have to look at where the car needs to go. Because at that speed, if your eyes look at the wall, your hands will make a micro movement. And at 185 miles an hour, you hit the wall. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Okay. And so the, the, the problem with our life is, is we, we wake up in the morning and we say this, we say, uh, don't eat the cheesecake. Don't say that to Lisa <laughs> and don't sit on the couch all day. <laughs> so what do yeah. we do? We eat the cheesecake. We tell that to Lisa and we sit on the couch all day. Yeah, I do it all. Yeah. <laughs> so this is, so this is the new plan. Okay. You wake up in the morning and you start going, Kale, 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 kale. I love kale. Kale oh makes boy, me oh happy. Boy. Yeah, not really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, they did a study on that. If you do positive affirmations on kale oh. every single day, five or 10 times a day, within three weeks, you'll be craving. <laughs> You're going to love yeah. the kale. Oh, no. It's oh, so my true. gosh. Yeah. You I, know, yeah. My, my wife is going to be watching this right now, and she's going to be like, <laughs> God bless Tom. Thank you so much. She's been trying to get yeah. him to eat kale. For she so has long. been making me crispy kale. She put that thing in there, and oh my goodness, yeah. So She's yeah, stop so, me and be like, see, <laughs> yeah. What you feed your mind determines your appetite. You know, yeah. so you Come you on. plan in advance. I love kale. This is yeah. well, I'm going to tell Lisa. I'm so proud of you. You've made me, you know, appreciate patience more than any human being alive. Thank yeah. you for. <laughs> and then you. You, you put on your, your, your phone, you know, you have an alarm go off uh, every hour. And for five minutes, you get up and take a stretch break and drink some water and do some stretch bands. Yeah. Right. So yeah. we, 
we choose who we want to become. We decide in advance what we want, not what we don't want. So we focus on who we are becoming, not what we don't want. Come on, man. I love Come that. On. I love it. Now you have, um, you have a new book that you're going to be coming out with soon, right? Yes. Soon I, meaning the end of this year or the beginning of next, but the manuscripts due in about uh, six weeks. I am so pumped about this book. And I want to remind our audience to pick up, you know, choose to win the links in the description, but um, is there going to be a pre-sale on this new book coming up soon or? It won't be that soon, but yes, we'll definitely okay. at Ziegler.com. You'll be hearing all about it, all the bookstores, Amazon, Audible, all that kind of stuff. But well, it will we'll, be coming up. we'll make sure that we, uh, that we post a link the moment you start putting it out there, but can you give us a sneak peek on it maybe? You bet. Um, so the title is 10 leadership virtues for disruptive times. Coaching your team through immense change and challenge. Mm, yeah. How timely. Man. And so I've spent all this time over the last six or eight months focusing in on what has changed in life and in, specifically in business. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's, it's like, did you know that there's 60 million hours a day in less commute time than there was before the pandemic? That's insane. And that's only in the United States. Yeah, that's not including the rest of the world. (laughs) 33% of that time is put back into work. Man, come on. Man. For the for the positions that can be done from a computer from anywhere, productivity's actually gone up. Wow. And so now we've got all these people at home and there's been a lot of disruption. And so the question is, is how do you lead? a blended or remote workforce? How do you lead people through a camera? Yeah. And there's a lot of challenges. Uh, Big companies say the number one challenge of their people today is mental health and well-being. Yeah. Now this is awesome for Ziegler, okay? Because uh, dad had this quote that he said a lot in the eighties. He said, "If, if, if standard of living is your goal, your quality of life will almost always suffer. If quality of life is your goal, then your standard of living will almost always increase. And so big company and organizations have finally figured out that quality of life equals quality of work. And so we've got a new appreciation for the family. Uh, We're not, uh, you know, kind of locked down into a very specific uh, role of when we are doing something. There's all these different things yeah. uh, that have changed. Yeah. And so how do you lead someone over a camera? How do you lead people who are in 10 different places? Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is the old style command and control, top down authoritative, do it because I said so leader, they're gone. Yeah. Right. They were already on their way out, but they're gone now. And so what is the leadership style that works? And in the book, I talk about it's the coach leader, yeah. the collaboration. The, the, the coach is focused on growth more than they are results. Come on. Yeah, seriously. And here's the problem. Our culture is a results-oriented culture. Mm-hmm. And when the pandemic hit, uh, one of the books I read was The Black Swan by Nassib Tlaib. Great yes. book. 
you're the second person to share yeah, that. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. Yeah. So I read Anti Fragile, Skin in the Game, and uh, The Black Swan, all by him. Three books on probability I read in the last six months. <laughs> what are the odds of that? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, uh, golly, I lost my train of thought on that little riff. But, <laughs> but the, the thing is, is that if, oh yeah, performance-based. If we have a business plan and it's built around the environment and the business conditions right now, and a pandemic hits, performance-based teams will try to keep executing a plan that'll no longer work, mm. right? Because they try to tweak it and do this and do that. It's dead, it's, it's gone. Yeah. A growth-oriented group will look at it and go, pivot. How can we take what we have and address the new situation? And so you've got this, uh, you know, businesses that have thrived and done well and pivoted and you've got others that, you know, they were already suffering and they just went down. And so a coach uh, leader understands that it's about growth because it's going to change. I just had my mortgage done. uh, Refinance. Yep. Almost 90 days produced over 70 documents. The, it was a refinance, 40% of the value of the home is all, no cash out. And I think they took DNA samples and, you know, the whole nine yards. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Absolutely. And for, they, they would rather have my house. They would rather me default. I mean, you know, cause wow. it's, a, cause that's the equity, that's the, you know, the guarantee, right? The house. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, one of the things that's going to happen, we don't know when, is blockchain oh boy, is coming. Right. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And every excited. financial transaction that we do is going to be in the blockchain. It's going yep. to be impenetrable, secure. It's going to give us everything we want. And literally, I'll be able to say, hey, that's a better rate. Send them, send them a, a, a message. Yep. And then they'll say, can we view your blockchain? And if I give them permission... Within 10 minutes, I'll have the new loan. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Come yeah. on. The old one will be paid off. The new one will be here. Okay. So, so what am I saying? I'm saying that as a coach leader, if we're growth oriented, all these changes are coming. The convergence, you know, quantum computing, AI, virtual reality, yeah. uh, you know, the biotechnology and the different things that are going to happen in our life. If I'm a coach leader, growth oriented, then I'm preparing my team and myself for whatever happens. We get to take advantage of it. We're, we're on the cusp of some of the most exciting times we've ever had. Is it going to be without yeah. peril? Seriously. Is it going to be easy in some, no, no. Oh man. I could mm. spend an hour talking Literally. to you about that alone. Like, oh, you're getting oh, him so word. stoked. You're getting me way too excited. <laughs> yeah. My goodness. Oh, this, thank you so much. That is such a beautiful um that's going to be an incredible book i'm really honestly i'm really excited to read it seriously yeah (laughs) this is going to be great um we only have this is so sad but one last question i mean we could have a hundred more i (laughs) mean literally you know (laughs) we could um but we want to respect your time um and we have already gone way over so last question of the day uh this one we like to ask cody actually came up with it we like to ask at the end of every interview 
it's going to sound like it's totally in left field. And that's because it is. So answer it <laughs> however you will has nothing to do. doesn't have to do with anything we just talked about. Um, I want you to just take a moment and imagine that you are on your deathbed. You have your friends, your family, those closest to you all around you. And you're there, you're about to pass. What is the last piece of advice that you're going to give them? Man, you saved the, the, the juicy ones for the very end. Cody's very good at coming up with these questions. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, it, it'd probably be something like, uh, you know what to do. Are you going to do it? Wow. Wow. Like what a way to put the responsibility on them, you know? I should have. Yeah. We yeah. Were listening to this interview, we probably should have called that answer. Actually, <laughs> Yes, seriously. Yeah. Wow. So wait, so l- let me get this right. What you're saying is, is that people know what to do. Mm. They just need to make the choice to take action on that. I'm saying that my family, my loved ones mm-hmm. will know what to do. Yeah, Come on. that's good. Come on. That's a good. huge percentage of people don't know what to do. They don't, yeah. they weren't taught right in the beginning. Mm. Yes, uh, yes. And so this is what I believe. Legacy is a transference of habit. Right. Mm. That's ultimately what it is. It's, you know, yeah. you, we, 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 uh, Mark Batterson said, uh, an inheritance is what you leave to someone. A legacy is what you leave in someone. Yeah. Man. Okay. You know, we talk about the wealthy people and how they could lose everything and recreate their wealth. It's because they know how to do it. And so our kids, are they, do they know how to live life? Yeah. Well, our legacy is what habits did we transfer to them to where they live life automatically the way they should. Now they have responsibility in taking it and adopting it. But uh, so my books and, and, and the things that I do, the things dad did for us, it was about saying, hey, this is how you live life. And so um, a couple of years ago, I wrote uh, a a little journal to my daughter. And every day I wrote one sentence for a year to her. And that was her Christmas gift. And it was just filled with what's going on in my head. And this is, what do you think? And what should you do? And it was a lot of fun. And so when people think about, oh my gosh, that seems like a lot of work can you write one sentence a day? Yeah, man. So that's, that's what it's about. When you read a book uh, and you, there's a little bit of wisdom in it and you underline it or highlight it. If it reminds you of somebody in your family or you want somebody in your family to have that message, just, just write a note in it. Yeah. Just, just put your son or your daughter's name and say, Hey, you know, this reminds me of you. If you've got so much courage, I'm proud of you. I love you. I learned that when I was cleaning out dad's uh, library. Uh, he had 3,000 books and we could only keep a couple of hundred. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which ones did we keep? We kept the ones that had his notes in it. Yeah, that's so good. That's yeah. so true. Yeah. So why not make the notes in your books to those you love? And what if those are markers on, on how to live life? Tom, thank you so much for not only letting us go over time, 
but for your time in saying yes to this interview. We so appreciate it. I know I'm personally going to be going and listening to this at least like three or four times in the next week. Yeah, (laughs) this has been amazing. Thank you so much. We so appreciate it. You got it. Thank you for having me on. What a blessing. Of course. Everyone watching, hit that like button if you learned something. And there is no way that you didn't learn something. So hit that like button. Show Tom (laughs) some love here. Hit that subscribe button if you want more up-to-date training and interviews every single week to grow yourself and grow your business. And please buy this man's book. 100%. Unbelievable. Well worth it. Thanks, Tom. We appreciate it, man. Thank you. Wherever you feel, feel. You've got to become the person that will attract over 200 different cognitive biases. The real work in any business is thinking.